Hello. Hey. Hey. It's uh, it's murder mystery. <laughs> yeah, it's murder mystery. We're back. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Welcome for the first time. If you're here for the first time. Welcome back. If you're coming back to not. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we're not like on today, we've just had a little frustrating couple of days between both of us. I think we're both pretty like detached. <laughs> from reality right now so but we're here for you we're doing the thing just you know <laughs> we might yes. not be as on as we normally are yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but oh were you gonna say something <laughs> i was just clearing my throat oh okay, okay. i'm all white what do you mean <laughs> this is the this is a prime example of how our weeks have gone we're out of sync <clears throat> which is weird for us yeah we haven't been out of sync in like a while. A while. Sorry for ambient noise. We're fucking living here. <laughs> yes. So this week we are in Hawaii. Yeah. Yes. Just sorry. No no natural segue there. Just diving right into it. But also like, I'm Andrew. And I'm Katie. And we're in fucking Hawaii. <laughs> we are in the Hawaiian Islands today, I will say. Because to be Hawaii is just one the islands but and we did things a little differently this week um usually we pick where we're going and then i hunt down a cocktail to pair with it but andrew and i went to brunch the other day at hula's modern tiki in phoenix ah delicious delicious if you're ever in the area definitely do brunch there they had a cocktail there called dr funk and it was delicious. We both ordered it. Granted, we don't have the cool cups that they came in. They were definitely like tiki cups with yeah. angry faces. That kind of helped the experience. But <laughs> this, and I have no measurements for you. Measure with your soul. It's coconut rum, vodka, creme de banane, <laughs> orange juice, and pineapple juice. Which we opted for Sunny D. But it tastes exactly the same. Exactly the same. So possibly they use Sunny D for orange juice. Possibly. It's possible. We even uh, added a little bit of blue curacao to give it that islandy flavor. I don't know. One of the roommates (laughs) suggested it. He said it's tropical tasting, so we did it. (laughs) Mm. Right, and then the toast. I was drinking before we even did it. There are a few toasts for Hawaii. There's Kamau or Hipa Hipa. Hipa Hipa. Hipa Hipa. That's like cheers. And so those are your traditional ones. Then there's Okole Moluna, meaning bottoms up. But this is not embraced by the older crowds because they consider it to be vulgar and indecent. But do they get it though? Because they mean the bottom of the cup up, not your bottom. Unless, like, you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, you can put your bottom up all you want, but they don't mean do it in the moment when you're drinking the cocktail. They mean the cup. <laughs> the bottom of the cup goes up. Yeah. So maybe they don't like that. Maybe they're sippers. <laughs> hey, bottom slightly slanted. But then a lot of people just stick to the classic aloha, which is something my stepdad would say just aloha for cheers because it's not just a greeting or a goodbye it's it's a spirit it's like a way of life so it's aloha aloha then that's the one i'm landing on today aloha aloha 
Or Hipa Hipa. I like that one. Hipa Hipa. Hipa Hipa. I do like that one. It's fun to say. Mm-hmm. I suggest that if you want to say something fun, it'd be Hipa Hipa. Hipa Hipa. And if you are currently at work, working in some sort of medical facility, how much better would you feel if you had to say Hipa Hipa instead of Hipa every day? <laughs> do that and make yourself smile. Are you sure it's HIPAA? I heard it's HIPAA HIPAA. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha. And funny enough, that's the first thing that I wrote. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to turn that word into a cliche real fast. Brought to you by white people. <laughs> <laughs> the caucasity. <laughs> but no, like, I, I mean, I, I wrote it because I personally have been to Hawaii. And Lucky. they're all about like... From my experience, everywhere you went, it was aloha. Mm-hmm. Hello, goodbye, mahalo. I don't know. I like, I always like to write like just a word, and that helps like get me on theme focused on like <laughs> getting something written. Because if I'm just staring at a blank page, I'm like, what am I writing? Go through all your notes. It's gonna be like Guten Tag, Willkommen. Yas Ghana. That's how everyone in Ghana greets people. They're all Yas Ghana. Yas Ghana. They hate us there. <sighs> now, I do think this is the first time that I've come across an entire thesis, though after doing some more digging. I don't think it's a thesis. I think it's an actual like book with references on where this the author of this book got all this information. But like so while I was going through all this information, I was like really getting into the whole thought process, which is why I thought it was a thesis because it's all about your thought process and yeah. all that fun stuff. And it just like really drew me in and I didn't want to fuck it up. Fair. So I'm actually going to read the entire thesis paper. God, no. <laughs> All God's no. pages of it. No. No, I, I'm only going to read a little bit. Um, I'm not even going to read the whole entire chapter that I have selected. Um, but I did find this on ulukau.org. That's U-L-U-K-A-U.org. Mm-hmm. The chapter from it is the second one, The Ku Gods. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ku and Hina, male or husband, uh, Kane and female or wife, Wahine, are invoked as great ancestral gods of heaven and earth who have general control over the fruitfulness of earth and the generations of mankind. Yeah. Real quick, before you get real into it, do you want to just say the name of the author? Oh, I did have that notated. My apologies. Martha Beckwith. Just so she doesn't sue us. Martha Beckwith, <laughs> Martha your work is amazing. Though another article I found, which uh, I am going to mention that one, mentioned that Martha Beckwith wrote this in the 1940s. Oh, dang. So she's probably not even alive. Yeah. But to the descendants of Martha Beckwith, I am saluting her. Toasting Martha tonight and, and her reading her paper. Beautiful research. See, it's not it's not common that I read from things. Martha's just going to be like listening to her weekly podcasts and find <laughs> this and be like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> she could be like tw- uh, 60 or something. No. Oh, f- 1940s. I don't know why. For some reason, I thought in my brain you were like 40 years ago. I 
that's how I process that information. I know the 40s were not 40 years ago. I heard that as this we're was like, 40 years ago. I was like, well, she could have been like, eh. okay, yeah, no, she did. We are 19 she's years away dead. from that being 100 years ago. Yeah, she's probably dead. <laughs> and if you're not, hey. I'm going to find out. Martha, are you I dead? love your work. Was I? Fruitfulness. Earth. Generations of mankind. Is she dead? She's dead. Okay, when'd she die? 1959. May she rest in peace. She's resting in Berkeley. Oh, here it's nice this time of year. So obviously this is not like super current information, um, but it is very detailed and does match a lot of the other things that I came across. Um, so um, to pick up where I left off, because I just finally found out again, Ku means rising upright. Hina means leaning down. The sun at its rising is referred to Ku, at its setting to Hina. Hence, the morning belongs to Ku, the afternoon to Hina. Prayer is addressed to Ku toward the east and to Hina towards the west. Together, the two include the whole earth and the heavens from east to west. In a symbol, also, they include the generations of mankind, uh, both those who are to come and those already born. Some kahunas teach a prayer for sickness addressing Ku and Hina. Others address Kahikina Okala, the rising of the sun. I feel like I said that correctly, but I also feel like I fucked it up. <laughs> uh, it sounded correct to me, but I am not Hawaiian, so... <laughs> I am not an authority on that. <clears throat> Please send your corrections. <laughs> uh, and Komohana Okala, entering in of the sun. Okay. Still others call upon the spirits of descendants and ancestors praying toward the east to Hinakua, back, as mother of those who are to come, and toward the west to Hinaalo, front, for those already born. The prayer to Ku and Hina of those who pluck herbs for medicine emphasizes family relationship as the claim to protection. All are children from a single stock, which is Ku. Are you following? Sort of. <laughs> I know. It's a little jumbled. But strangely, kind of does make a little bit of sense. Basically, it's saying that everything's intertwined. Okay. Uh, Ku or Hina. Oh, I didn't realize this. I was trying to figure out what this was, but I think it's a prayer. Oh, okay. An example of a prayer. So Ku or Hina. Listen, I have come to gather for name the sick person. This naming the plant. These are in brackets. Naming the plant. <laughs> so it's insert... Plant, insert, in sick person, mad lib, mad, lib mad lib prayer, which was rooted in Kahiki, spread its rootlets in Kahiki, produced stalk in Kahiki, branched in Kahiki, leafed in Kahiki, budded in Kahiki, blossomed in Kahiki, bore fruit in Kahiki, life is from you, O God, until he or she crawls feebly and totters in extreme old age until the blossoming time at the end. Amama, it is freed. Yeah, it's actually really pretty. I like saying kahiki. I can tell. Yeah. You put your whole self into it. I really did. <laughs> I felt it. It just like came from within. Uh, ku is therefore the expression of the male generating power of the first parent by means of which the race is made fertile and reproduces from a single stock. Hina is the expression of female fecundity. Don't know if I said that right. Basically, her ability to procreate. Oh, her level of fertility. Yes. Okay. And the power of growth and production. Okay. 
There you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Reproduction. Reproduction. <laughs> Through the woman must all pass into life in this world. That's her vagina. Yeah, I knew that part. I knew that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the two, Ku and Hina, are hence invoked as inclusive of the whole ancestral line, past and to come. Ku is said to preside over all male spirits, or gods, Hina over the female, or goddesses. They are national gods for the whole people lay claim to their protection as children descended from a single stock in the ancient homeland of Kahiki. So it's a place. Yeah. The idea of Ku and Tina as an expression of common parentage has had an influence upon fiction where hero or heroine is likely to be represented as child of Ku and Tina, implying a claim to high birth much like that of the prince and princess of our own fairy tales. It enters into folk conceptions, a slab-shaped or pointed stone, pohaku, which stands upright is called male, pohaku okane, a flat papa, or rounded stone is called female. Papa Ohina or Pohako Ohina. I love it when you call me Papa Ohina. Hey, Papa Ohina. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, girl. Uh, and the two are believed to produce stone children. So the upright breadfruit, Ulu, tree is male and is called Uluku. The low spreading tree whose branches lean over is Uluhapapa and is regarded as female. All right. Would you like me to call you Uluha Papa? Always. <laughs> from now on. These dis- distinctions arise from analogy in the shape of the breadfruit blossom and of the rock forms, with the sexual organs and ana- an analogy from which Hawaiian symbolism largely derives and the male expression of which is doubtless to be recognized in this conception of the creator god Kane. The universal character of Ku as a god worshipped to produce good crops, good fishing, long life, and family, and a national prosperity for a whole people is illustrated in a prayer quoted by J.S. Emerson as one commonly used to secure a prosperous year. Oku Oli, soften your land that it may bring forth. Bring forth where? Bring forth in the sea, and name the fishing ground. Squid, Ulua fish, encourage your land to bring forth... Bring forth where? Bring forth on land, potatoes, taro, gourds, coconuts, bananas, calabashes. Encourage your land to bring forth. Bring forth what? Bring forth men, women, children, pigs, fowl, food, and land. Just overall abundance. Yes. Oh, and one last line. Encourage your land to bring forth. Bring forth what? Bring forth chiefs, commoners, pleasant living, bring about goodwill, Ward off ill will. This kind of sounds like an ancient game of Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> yes. Red Rover, Red Rover, send abundance and prosperity over. Bring that booty. Now, because this was written in the 1940s, it's a little harder to understand. It's a little harder to read. Like, the first chapter was, is what, like, sucked me in. And then the second chapter, which is what I read from is where it get, actually starts diving into the gods. Now, I, I mean, a whole page later is where she lifts off, lists off... She lifts off lifts the off. ground and flies. Like, different gods? Or, like, invocations for, like, the gods of the forest and and, you know, all of that, and, like, really starts dipping into 
in depth into the mythology. So that excerpt is more of an introduction to what Hawaiian mythology is about, which is about the land and respecting it and like basically just taking care of everybody. Absolutely. Which is what we Life is a gift. Take care of it. Yep. Make sure it's there to pass on to your next people. <laughs> uh, so if you're looking in, if you're looking into Hawaii mythology, and you want to read a great, some great material about it, definitely go. And it's called Hawaiian Mythology by Martha Beckwith, and you can find the entire book on ulukau.org. Not sponsored. Not sponsored by Martha, who's dead. <laughs> um, I did want to tell you. I did do a quick search of Martha Beckwith and it seems like in her life she was kind of a badass for one you know she was um she was the first person ever to hold a chair at a college or university in the like folklore division damn I don't know folklore division is the correct (laughs) word but it was at Vassar of all colleges she has like this extensive history of research specifically on Hawaii, Jamaica, and the Sioux Nation. What stood out to me in her long list of the bibliography she's got here (laughs) of all her books was her book on Jamaica Anansi stories. And I know you said you wanted to cover that (gasps) when we do Jamaica. And so just so you know, she has books on Jamaican ethnobotany, Jamaican proverbs, and Anansi stories. So... I feel as if you were meant to find Martha Beckwith. Beckwith. (laughs) You were meant to find her, and I was meant to stumble over her work. Name? Her name. Her name. Martha Beckwith. You might be, you might have just become one of my new heroes. She died the day before her 88th birthday. She didn't even make it to 88. Damn. fucking messed up. But you know what? Who wants to die on their birthday? Thank you, Martha. And if Martha has any descendants, your mother, grandmother, aunt, great aunt. I don't know. Doesn't look like she married. She had shit to do, Andrew. She was doing a lot of (laughs) badass shit. Well, if there is any family that she had. (laughs) You have cool people in your family. Yes. Do you have a creature corner? I do have a creature corner. Creature corner. Creature corner. This would have been a great opportunity for a ukulele. Yeah. I know, I know. One day I'll break out <laughs> It's in the other room. One day I'll also find my favorite cryptid. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's okay. The cryptid that you don't remember the name of. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm horrible. Okay. It's okay. Creature Uh So we have two creatures. The first one is Mo'o, or Moho. Like M O H O, or M O apostrophe O. Oh, Mo'o, or Moho. Uh, these creatures are giant lizards. Um, they're about twelve to thirty feet normally. What would be abnormal for them? Well, they have the ability to shape shift. Of course, they do. Yes, uh, so they can be. A small gecko. Oh, okay. And then in the blink of an eye, or days later, (laughs) uh, they can shapeshift into a, and I quote, 
seductive woman. Oh. Yeah. Godzilla in a bikini. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, these creatures are not to be feared, though. Oh, okay. Despite their probably freakish image in your head. <laughs> Especially the part about the seductive woman. Right? They are said to be guardians in charge of protecting families or even entire districts of people. So think politicians, but better. <laughs> but, but not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think politicians, but not, except for the whole being a lizard thing. Yeah, well... <laughs> These lizards are not in skin suits. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, They are also said to have immense amounts of wisdom, which they share with people through their dreams. Ooh. Yeah. So, so, like, when people are asleep and dreaming, they, like, enter their dreams and share their wisdom? Or do they, like, how do they do that? Maybe it's, like, maybe it's, like, when you're dreaming and, like, you wake up with, like this thought, like, oh my god, why didn't I think of that? Oh. Or, oh my gosh, I just remembered something. But you have no recollection of, like, how you remembered it. Why is there a lizard here? <laughs> why was there a seductive woman in my dream? <laughs> she was speaking in tongues, or with her tongue. <laughs> <Blah, blah, blah. laughs> Although they act as guardians, they actually like to call big fish ponds their home. Okay. Yeah. The best way that you can tell they they are there is by there being a foam on the surface of the pond. And then if you were to catch fish from the pond and eat the fish, it would be bitter. That's the sign, that is like a surefire sign that you have fished from the home of a mole. Oh, snap. Well, I'll keep that in mind on my next fishing trip. In Hawaii. In Hawaii, specifically. Yes. Yes. Uh, Watch out for the foam. I will. Yeah. Uh, The second creature that we have, and I would be doing Hawaii a major injustice if I did not mention this one, is the Menehune. Ooh, okay. Have you heard of them? No. Okay. I did briefly hear about them when I was in Hawaii. I was 15 years old, so like that was like over half my life ago. But I immediately recognized the name when I was going through. I was like, I had to talk about them. Now, Manahune are described as benevolent, magical, and diminutive humanoids. Okay. Uh, Think of them like another version of like fairies or little people, like the borrowers. Mm. To quote from Solas.com, where I found the information for both the Mo'o and uh, Menehune. They are two to three feet tall, stout and muscular with hairy, dark, and dark red skin, large eyes and long eyebrows, a protruding brow, very long hair on their heads, a short, thick nose, sharp ears, a small mouth, broad shoulders, and a round stomach. Picturing the Oompa Loompas from the Johnny Depp version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Because that's the only version of the other ones. Willy Wonka. Also yeah. hobbits. Oh, also hobbits. Yes. <laughs> now, they're mostly nocturnal, but these little little creatures just feed on fruits, veggies, fish, and they like to drink milk. Hmm. Who doesn't? Hey. 
That's a whole mood. Now, it's also said that some bridges and other structures throughout Hawaii are believed to have been built by these little ones. So, didn't specify which ones, but... Oh, I was like, what? They have actual, like, structures there that were, like, we have no historical documentation of humans building that. So, we we just assumed that it was the little people. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there's there's bridges and, and other, like, structures that are, that, you know... It's believed that the Menehune built them. It's just there one day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing that I actually didn't write down um, was... Shit, I just remembered it and then forgot it. <laughs> another thing I wanted to talk about was nothing. Another thing I wanted to forget about. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember what I forgot. Oh, I remember. Okay. Okay. So um, there is a parish in Hawaii... Where, um, and this was like in the 1950s, mm. where a group of like kids and adults were perusing the grounds of the parish and they all swear that they saw the Manihune jumping up and down in the trees. What? And when the Manihune noticed that they were being watched, disappeared through the trees and then was seen going under the parish building and then when it was further investigated there they found no tunnels nothing of there being anything underneath the building dang so they just like up and disappeared hmm wonder what they were up to but i have to believe that these are probably very real if Although classified as mythical, yeah. But if but when a group of a group of people see them, then you gotta you gotta believe it. Yeah. Unless so. they were all as a group doing like recreational drugs, <laughs> drinking the Kool Aid. Well, yeah, no, because those people died. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, you can put other things in Kool Aid. That's true. You can put lots of things in Kool Aid. <laughs> LSD. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, Menahune. I was really scared for a second that you were going to somehow cover my subject during your, like, creature corner, even though mine wasn't creatures, because you said humanoid. I was like, oh, no. What's he doing? <laughs> I haven't heard the word Menahune, but oh, no. So, first, I have my little fun fact, because I've been, like, enjoying finding something quirky about each place we go to. Something I found out about the Hawaiian Islands is that you can mail a coconut home from there as is. You don't have to box it or package it in any way. You can just write your freaking address on <laughs> send it on home. <laughs> I thought that was cool. And you can actually um, go to gift shops and have uh, get these coconuts that have little paintings on them and stuff and mail them directly home. They're called coconut postcards. Coconut postcards. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I just one day, I think I'm just going to mail out a coconut. Put someone's address on it. <laughs> no explanation whatsoever. <laughs> just, just if you would like the chance to have an artfully painted yes. coconut from our lovely Katie. I, our very first Patreon donor is going to get a painted coconut mailed to them. And it's just going to be a coconut. Like it's going to show up on your doorstep coconut <laughs> anyways my story is the legend of the night marchers <gasps> the night marchers or huaka ipo 
are the ghosts of ancient Hawaiian warriors, and they are also referred to as death-dealing ghosts. Ooh, spoopy. Very spoopy. The origin story of the Night Marchers dates back to when Hawaii was governed by a strict caste system. Whatever that is. They had, um, sorry, I have a lot of saliva right now. (laughs) Basically, they had like, it was like a monarchy there. They had kings and uh, chiefs back in, before Western culture came over. Back in the day. Back in the good old day. Um, But it was very strict. And the leaders, or ali'i, were not only held in high esteem for their place in society, they were also known to have immense spiritual power, like a shaman. Mm -hmm. They were considered to be physical manifestations of the gods themselves. When a chief or ali'i would pass through a village, these warriors would blow conch conch shells and beat pehu drums to announce their arrival. The commoners knew that they were never to make eye contact with either the ali'i or the warriors, or or they would be killed. Oh. Yeah. That's aggressive. (laughs) It was intense. And you could... um, There was something mentioned that, like, depending on how high-ranked this official was, you could tell who it was based off of the placement of the warriors and the chief. So if it was like a high-ranking chief or elite, they would be in the front and the warriors would be behind or vice versa. And I, I didn't write down which one was which. But um, but like you could tell what, yeah, what the rank off, was of the based person. Based off of the positioning, which everybody knew in those days. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> These warriors were proud of their positions in life to protect the Ali'i and continue their duties on in the afterlife. So Hawaiian storyteller Lopaka Kapanui, which, by the way, I ended up watching several of his YouTube videos. He stands there and tells these stories of Hawaiian, like, folklore, and it's awesome. So he said that the Night Marcher's job wasn't to terrorize people. It was simply to protect the most sacred and high-ranking chiefs. They showed mercy by traveling at night to try and spare people from harm. But if people got in the way, like... Sorry, you're gonna die. Sorry, my guy. Sorry, you know the rules. (laughs) While there are many places on the Hawaiian Islands where ghost hunters can enjoy paranormal activity and chase spirits, it is generally known that you do not want to come across the night archers. Might be really cool to see them, but you do not want them to see you. So on this website for Big Island Ghost Tours, which people should check out because there's a ton of paranormal places that you can tour with professionals and still stay safe. (laughs) I found this little statement on their website, by the way. It says, never interrupt the march of the Huaka'i. Avoid eye contact with the marchers, for their gaze is said to be deadly. Crouch down low to the ground and play dead, not making any sound of movement. Oh, shit, it's serious. Yeah, like, no, this is for serious. (laughs) Their activity waxes and wanes with the moon cycle, but their busiest nights are on uh, that of the full moon. There's also often reports of night marcher sightings, particularly on nights where there is a red moon or a blood moon. The sightings take place in... Take place in places. I don't know. <laughs> the sightings take place in areas that are rich in history, such as the historic route that cuts through downtown Honolulu or ancient sacrificial temples. They're most active on the last four Hawaiian moon phases, 
which celebrate the gods Kane, Lono, Akua, and Ku, or the Knights of Kanaloa. They come forth from their burial sites carrying weaponry, like spears and staffs and stuff. (laughs) I don't know why, but I like, I, I picture, I don't know why, because it's not even in the same, like, area of the planet, but I just, like, pictured, like, them coming out of, like, gravestones and stuff like that, kind of like uh mulan's ancestors (laughs) it is similar to that they do ascend from wherever their burial site is um and i know i wrote that down somewhere in my notes and i'm gonna read it again (laughs) (laughs) so as far as their appearance goes they are normal human-sized people whatever that means (laughs) human-sized people (laughs) like a little human uh, a medium just an average size normal human (laughs) an average size normal human okay normal human so john sure uh (laughs) although in ancient times people tended to be a little shorter depend well and it depended on the species of human so we're not gonna get (laughs) (laughs) science is not i am not educated enough to even start going off on that um so they are often clad in their full warrior garb out some sources say that they had red glowing eyes and march hovering above the ground walking in a single file line which there are some conflicting stories some people say that they leave behind footprints others say that they like hover around but you can still hear the marching regardless but interesting they make their presence known in the afterlife just as they did in regular life with beating the drums and blowing the conch shell and you will see their torches lit they have a putrid smell like dead bodies Uh, you know I, i had a sinking feeling yeah they and it Specifically, it said that they smelled of war. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> Never um, been there. I'll have to ask uh, John how that smells. Gunpowder and lead. And dead bodies. And dead bodies. Woof. <laughs> right. Although they... Uh, yeah, so you could still hear the marching, even though they hover. They give you plenty of time to run and hide, because once you hear that conch shell, you pretty much... Like, everybody knows... It's time to go inside. Time to take cover. But (laughs) what happens if you do find yourself in the position where you do cross paths with one of these ancient warriors? For one, you know, to avoid eye contact. Because if you do make eye eye contact, you will die a sudden and violent death. Oh. Yes. Being forced to join the march uh, march lifers. Night marchers. I cannot. <laughs> March lifers. <laughs> March lifers. I don't even want to know what that march would be for. Pro life. Okay. <laughs> uh, being forced to join the night marchers in the afterlife. One source did say that the violent way that you die. I think this was actually on Wikipedia. This was the only place I could find this. It was usually by bolts of intense light and flaming heat originating from several of the warrior's eyes aimed toward the violating mortal. The violating mortal is incinerated instantly and the bodily remains dissipate as vapors into the night air. That. Hope you like to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> you just like 
blow up. If you manage to avoid eye contact, you can still fight for your life in your night marcher encounter. <laughs> First, you have to strip down completely nude and lie in the prone position. And some sources even state it is important that you urinate on yourself because apparently they do not like that, which hard same. I do not like the smell of urine. <laughs> if you smell like urine, I might not hang out with you. <laughs> If the night marchers come across your disgusting urine-scented body and feel as though you showed the proper amount of fear and respect, they will spare you. Oh! <laughs> I think if I peed on myself, <laughs> I feared you quite enough. <laughs> now, if you have Hawaiian lineage and you're feeling confident that you know your family's history, there's another way you can be spared by the night marchers, and that is if one of them recognizes you as their family. As long as one of the night marchers can verify your identity, you're free to go. Yeah. So, but do you really want to get to that point where where you're close enough to be like, hey, Uncle Ed, do you remember me? And he's like, no. Well, now we have to kill you. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Though physical barriers cannot deter these ancient warriors, many people who live on the islands believe that there is a plant called tea, or cordyline, I guess is its official name, if you plant it around your property or keep it in your home, you'll be protected from the night marchers. Because what happens is they have these specific paths, and if your home is in that path, it does not matter. Like, if you're hiding inside and hiding under your covers and sleeping, if, if your bed crosses that path, you're gonna die. Like, it's just, they're gonna come right through. <laughs> if you're in the house that's on the path, you're gonna yeah, have a bad time. SOL. So maybe when you're looking at those Zillow listings for Hawaii, make sure you're not on the night marcher path. They should like, list that. They should. On the night marcher path, specifically through these three rooms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so something that I was excited about is there are a lot of sightings recorded and I have a couple older ones and then my favorite one I say for last. So this is not the first reported sighting, but the first recorded sighting, I guess you could say. Until Western contact was made in Hawaii, mm -hmm. Hawaiian was only a spoken language. It was not a written language. They, they did they like, did like drawings. And some stuff. kind of glyphs. Yeah, they did some apostrophe glyphs. <laughs> the first sighting recorded was in 1883, it was documented that multiple people saw the ghost soldiers following the spirit of King Kamahamea the Great on the Big Island. On HonoluluMagazine.com, they had a couple sightings reported. The first one was in 2012. Kapanui, the man that I told you about earlier, the mm -hmm. storyteller, he met with some attorneys who work in a building of the Davies Pacific Center. And this is right in the middle of the path that cuts through the historic district of Honolulu. Oh, no. <laughs> so these attorneys were on the 23rd floor of this building, and they stated that their security cameras actually captured the night marchers on video. Oh, my God. Yeah, and not only that, a native Hawaiian cleaning lady report who worked in this building reported seeing the night marchers and a column of mist, and she died the next day. <gasps> so I don't know if she reported it like at the end of her shift. Trying to like make some logical <laughs> sense out of it. Maybe it was just her time. Like <laughs> what just if, a coincidence. What if the only time you like see them, like physically see them, 
is if when you're dying when you're close to death there were and i didn't write it in my piece because i i tend to only share information that is across several sources Mm -hmm. and not like just one but they were saying that sometimes they they are just like collecting spirits like they're going to help usher your spirit into the afterlife that would make sense why like someone reported a month later that they saw the cleaning lady with the night marchers which was scary but also kind of funny because i'm just picturing all these like warriors in their garb and like a cleaning lady just walking with them like i got this any messes i'm gonna clean up oh you peed yourself oh that's why they killed her they're like okay we can't keep dealing with all these people pissing all over themselves we need somebody to clean it up you got experience so also on honolulu magazine they had a sighting reported from july 5th 1995 by a man named Ricky, who was a security guard, and he said that he was camping on the beach of Mokulaea? Mokulaea. Yeah. They got to the beach between 10 and 11 p.m., which I don't know who goes camping at 10 and 11 p.m. at night. But anyways, they saw off in the distance what looked like a line of fire ants marching down the mountain. And he said, I thought they were people hunting, but it was just a long line of torches. And he, after a while, because he was a native Hawaiian, he had realized what he had seen and he never went back there. Oh, no. That's got to be scary. Yeah. But not as scary as this sighting. Is this this the one that you were like... Yeah. I, I had to save this for last. So this I found on Reddit. It's kind of long. This was posted by user Hakunomaya. And it was on the No Sleep subreddit. If that gives you any indication as to what it entails. No sleep. I hope I do it justice. It's funny how easily a place can leave its mark on you. I'm Japanese, not Hawaiian. I didn't grow up in Hawaii. My family has only lived on the islands for about five generations. Yet somehow, the culture has somehow worked its way into my life. The last (laughs) time I went to Oahu was with a college friend of mine named Chris. He and I were spending about a week there for spring break. I'll be honest, I was enjoying the freedom of exploring the island without my family. Feel that. That's a mood. Yeah, that is a mood. We rented a car and spent the first two days traveling all throughout Honolulu. On the third day, we rented a car and took a road trip up to the North Shore. We spent most of the afternoon there, and by the time we drove back, the sun was setting. I was driving since I knew the geography better than Chris did. It seemed like there were no other cars along the Pali Highway that night. It felt as though the darkness was closing around the car like a fist. Next to me, Chris yawned. Hey man, can you pull over? I need to pee, he said. Seriously, I said. I glanced in the rearview mirror. Still no cars. Fine, make it quick. We were coming up on the Nuanu Pali Drive. I turned off the highway and pulled over once I found a good spot. With a mumbled thanks, Chris got out of the car and slammed the door. I watched him walk back the way we had come. I waited. When he didn't show up for five minutes, I became irritated. After ten, I became worried. Yeah. When fifteen minutes had passed, I got out of the car. Fifteen? You waited fifteen minutes? if you wait fifteen fucking minutes for me to come back. If you wait even ten minutes for me to come back, bitch, you better be outside that goddamn car on your way to me. I'm going to watch you pee next time. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, I yelled, what's taking you so long? No response. Chris, I repeated. That's when I heard a sound in the distance. It was faint, but definitely growing louder. 
boom, boom, boom. It no. was, yeah. It was a drum beat, and it was coming from back toward the highway. Down the road, I saw a line of flickering lights steadily making its way toward me. I felt a burst of fear, but I couldn't leave Chris. I cautiously crept toward the lights, brave, standing in the shadows. As the beat of the drums vibrated through my body, the deep, low sound of a horn pierced the air. I began to notice some details of the procession. The people in the front were carrying long spears and torches. A man in the center held a large conch shell, which he blew as I walked. I ducked behind a tree as they grew, grew closer. The first row of people were all dressed in the capes of Hawaiian warriors. Their eyes were glowing and flickering, just like the torches they carried. Their bodies and clothes were ashen white. They marched in formation, chanting words I didn't understand. The men in the row behind them were dressed in army fatigues with rifles over their shoulders. Their eyes glowed too, and they chanted along with the warriors. On the jacket sleeve of the man closest to me, I saw an insignia of a hand carrying a torch, surrounded by a hexagon. I recognized that symbol. I'd seen it in my history books. It was for soldiers of the 442nd Regiment of World War II, composed of Japanese Americans from Hawaii. Which is very good on you for remembering the exact regiment. I don't think I would have. I I would have been like, oh, hey, an army man. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Can't even use the word soldier. Uh, (laughs) Army man. (laughs) The army man. (laughs) (laughs) The third row contained a mix of Hawaiian warriors and the army soldiers, except that I saw... There was one chanting figure without a weapon dressed in modern clothes. It was Chris. I gasped. Procession stopped. As one, they turned their heads and stared straight at me. I ran. I stumbled back on the road and sprinted toward the car. Behind me, the drum was beating at a frantic pace. The chanting grew louder. Too late, I remembered the legends my parents told me. The night marchers, the ghosts of the old warriors, are said to wander the island at night. If you do not lie down and close your eyes when they appear, they will make you join their procession. They had done that to Chris. And now they knew I'd seen them. But Chris, you went out to pee. Why didn't why did you, you pee walk, on yourself? Why did you walk so far away from the yeah, car? why didn't you just fucking... I would have... If I had a penis, I would like, have just pointed it out of the car. Do you know how many times I have, like... Had, like, someone pull over, or I had pulled over on the side of a road in the middle of the night and just walked to the passenger side of the car and just peed. Peed right there. Where did Chris go? Like, Chris, why did you feel it was necessary to walk? But why didn't you pee on your own damn self? That would have prevented this whole thing, according yeah, to know. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a detail that I didn't find anywhere else. <laughs> they knew that or they knew that I'd seen them. I reached the car, yanked the keys out of my pocket, and pressed the unlock button. The car stayed silent. I grabbed the door handle and yanked it over and over. The drumming had reached a frantic pace and the chanting had turned to shouts. I looked back. The night marchers had almost reached me. <laughs> The ghosts ghosts in the front were brandishing their spears, and I closed my eyes and waited for the inevitable. Suddenly, a voice called out, He is mine. 
the chanting and the drums stopped and I opened my eyes. A single ghost was standing between me and the procession. He wore a plain uniform and a cap on his head. The sleeve of his jacket had a chevron with a star in the middle. When I saw his face for a brief moment, I thought it was my father's. The ghost pointed at me. He is mine, he repeated to the procession. The warriors lowered their spears. Slowly the drumbeat started up again and the horn sounded. The night marchers turned away from me and continued down the road. The ghost who had spoken slipped back into their ranks and disappeared among their rows. The car unlocked with a click. I didn't even question my luck. I threw myself inside and sped past the ghosts. I didn't slow down until I was back in Honolulu. I reported Chris as missing. There's still no official word on what happened to him, although I have a feeling the police know more than they've let on. Chris's parents don't talk to me, and I can't blame them. Yeah. How could I when the only reason I survived was through dumb luck? So it's interesting. It kind of sounds like they believe him, too, that like the, the night marchers took their son. Yeah. Because to be honest, I've listened to so many true crime podcasts. I'd be like, what did you do? Like, he was not taken by ghosts. You killed him out there. Like, this is El Trauco all over again. <laughs> At the time, I'd forgotten the final part of the Night Marcher's legend. If they see you, you can only escape if a relative already marching with them recognizes you and claims you. My grandfather. I don't know how my grandfather knew it was me. Excuse me. <laughs> Perhaps he thought I was my father, or maybe when my family visited his grave, he truly listened to our greetings every year. In the morning, I bought a bouquet and drove up to the Punchbowl Cemetery. I left the flowers on my grandfather's grave. Even though I've never taken Asian filial piety all that seriously, I knelt down and bowed. It felt right. Once the police told me I could leave, I changed my ticket and flew home. I've never returned since then. I can't tell you not to visit Hawaii. It's a beautiful place full of unique experiences. But if you do go, be careful at night. If you hear drums and chanting and see a line of torches coming toward you, run away if you can. If you can't, lie down, close your eyes, and don't look until they're gone. Some parts of the culture are better left alone. So many questions. <sighs> Where's Chris? Chris. <laughs> Fuck off for saving that for last. Shit. And see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you do want to catch the Night Marchers in pop culture, there were a pair of brothers, Blake, not were, they're still alive. Blake and Brent Cousins. (laughs) (coughs) A pair of brothers. That detail is very important. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A pair of brothers named the Cousins, Blake, Blake and Brent Cousins. They are a pair of Hawaiian independent filmmakers, and they recently came out with a movie called Night Marchers, and you can rent it on Amazon for $2.99. <laughs> the movie description says, A Hollywood reality TV producer thought it would be a good idea to search for the forbidden legend in Hawaii known as the Night Marchers. What he and his camera crew experience is far more than they bargained for. Bum, bum, bum. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it, too. And the reason why I want I really want to watch it is because I, I took a look on Amazon and it looks very like Blair Witch like esque. Yeah. Like <laughs> reality documentary. <laughs> I'm excited. That will be the closest to the Night Marchers I ever care to get to. So uh we I will... talked about 
going to Hawaii. <laughs> we did. I was not going to chase them, but I, I honestly want to start some campaign like hashtag free Chris or something. Like, <laughs> where is Chris? <laughs> Leave Chris alone. Leave Chris alone. I mean, Chris, I, if, if it were Chris Crocker, I would be on the first flight <laughs> to fucking save him. Just throwing that out there. But yeah. <laughs> So that's my story. And you're sticking to it. I am. Oh my god. That was intense. Especially that last one. Because I admittedly on my old podcast had talked about the Night Marchers before, but that was before good old buddy here gave his story about Chris. (laughs) Maybe it hadn't happened to Chris yet. Oh. (laughs) Oh no. That makes me very uncomfy. Me too. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Murder Mystery. I certainly did. I did too. It was a little heftier than normal, I think. Yeah, that was pretty intentional. Yeah. We promise we eventually will revisit Egypt and do the same justice that we did for Hawaii. <laughs> yes. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. 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 Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Murder Mystery, theme song by Luella Gren, logo by Lexi Wilson. New episodes air every Sunday on Apple, Google, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast is currently entirely self-funded, so in order to keep it going, we really rely on word of mouth. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, review, and of course, tell your friends. If you have questions, corrections, or location and story suggestions, you can email us at murdermysterypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at murdermystery. And don't forget to join us again next week.